0: the detritus of animal and plant life that had died miles above. It fell steadily through each zone of the ocean, down and down, shredding into flakes, leached of pigment until it became bone white, a snow of death. Nick Cutter, The Deep. to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie.
1: And I'm your other host, Rachel. Joining us today, we have Erica, who you may know from her YouTube channel, The Perks of Books. She loves horror and books set around the ocean. So Erica agreed to help us explore the exciting world of underwater horror. So get your wetsuit on and let's dive in to this episode of Books in the
0: Freezer. This episode of Books in the Freezer is brought to you by Audible. This podcast wouldn't be possible without audiobooks, so if you want some spooky stories told by some familiar voices, try Stephen King's Pet Cemetery read by Dexter's Michael C. Hall, or The Dead Zone, read by James Franco, or podcast favorite Joe Hill's Nosferatu, read by Kate Mulgrew. For a free audiobook and 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash booksinthefreezer. Happy listening! So whenever we have a
1: guest, we try really hard to pair them with whatever topic we are doing on the show based off their reading taste. But I don't think we have ever matched a guest so perfectly as today because Erica, you are known for being obsessed about the ocean. So let's just start right off the bat by asking you, why do you love stories about the ocean so much?
2: (laughs) Okay, well, the biggest reason is because I've grew up living right next to the ocean my entire life. I live in a small seaside town, even right now, and so the bay where I live in, it's classified as this marine sanctuary. So most of the wildlife and all of the ecosystems are protected. If I were to go over to the docks the harbor right now, I'm going to see a bunch of sea otters and sea lions and Aww. jellyfishes and maybe even a whale, probably a whale because it's whale season right now. And they're everywhere. Oh, they're so beautiful. So with saying all of that, just over time, I've grown this curiosity to everything involving the water water. water, and what's in it, and also I know a lot of people are scared of the sea, which is completely understandable you know the ocean is a terrifying place but I think when you live near it you kind of grow to have this appreciation for it and I know I can't speak for everyone on that a lot of people just don't like the ocean
1: but that's how it is for me I'm absolutely terrified of the ocean I mentioned a previous episode just before that I can't swim so I won't repeat the whole story but like open water in general freaks me out so badly the first time I'd ever gone on a boat and that was just in a lake I was freaking out so badly I had a life jacket on and I was clinging to The side of the boat, like asking (laughs) to get pulled back off. Oh oh my God. It was embarrassing. So I appreciate that while you are really comfortable, obviously, in the ocean, sounds like you still respect people like me who are complete wimps when it comes to open water. I kind of relate to that though. Well, when I was
2: really young, the water was terrifying. But I remember being at a party with my family and my dad, I mean, there was a pool. My dad grabbed me and he threw me into the pool and he said, Swim, you got this, you'll be fine. I was maybe four or younger than that. And I dog paddled and I survived. It was fine. And I mean he went in right after and got me. But that's how I basically learned how to swim. I was thrown into the deep section of the pool. It was horrifying. That's (laughs) so terrifying. It is, but I mean that's how I learned. And then years later I took swimming classes and, you know, I'm a pretty strong swimmer now. But yeah.
1: That's (laughs) hilarious and terrifying all at the same time.
2: I know. I don't know if I should have shared that. My dad's gonna be like Why did you share that? Why did you do that to me?
0: (laughs) No, my dad taught swimming lessons and he said like he would do that to young kids. You just throw them in. Obviously, you watch them, make sure they're not drowning. But, you know, the sink or swim like kicks in and, you know, you learn to swim. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that you lived by like a marine sanctuary. That's so cool. So is it like that thing where they say... You can't like pick up shells because I know where I grew up, I I didn't grow up like super near the ocean. I grew up like probably an hour drive away. But there were certain Mm -hmm. beaches we would go to where you weren't supposed to disrupt the environment at all. So they didn't want you like collecting shells or like touching the sand or anything. Mm -hmm. Is it kind of like that?
2: Yes, especially there's a slough right where I live, and it's where they have the Marine Institute, like all the researchers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They're really hardcore about that there, but it's just so nice. And growing up in this area, too, there's a lot of conservation. So everyone around where I live, everyone's really green. So we're really kind of just aware of plastic and just that kind of stuff. So I grew up around all of that. It's just really nice. And where I live, it's beautiful, too. I try not to take it for granted. That sounds amazing. I'm gonna go
0: visit you. Yeah, we're both coming. I'll stay with yeah, you. Yeah, come. A week. We could go kayaking. I love kayaking. Let's do it. Let's make plans. Let's do
2: it. Yeah, we could go hiking.
0: Get your trundle bed out like I'm camping.
2: We could take racial whale watching. Hopefully, she won't fall in the water.
1: If I stand like right in the center of the boat with like two life jackets on, I'll hopefully
0: be okay. And the arm floaties.
1: Oh, yes. Can I absolutely get the water wings? Oh, my
0: gosh. So, Erica, besides ocean horror, what kind of horror stories do you enjoy reading?
2: Well, because I love reading, you know, ocean horror, a big part of that is monsters and creatures. So, if I read something else, usually it's a creature, monster, horror, or survival. But really, those two I feel come hand in hand. And my go to example for this is always The Mist by Stephen King. Have you guys ever read The Mist? No. No, I haven't. Oh my god, it's so good. You should watch the film too. The film is so good and it's horrifying. But anyway, it's about a group of people that are stuck in a grocery store together while their town is completely covered in a thick mist. And in that mist is a bunch of terrifying monsters. It is so terrifying, but it's one of my absolute favorites. That sounds really
1: good. I need to read a lot more Stephen King
2: it's a novella actually i think it falls under 200 pages something around there you could read it really fast
0: it's in one of his short story collections right
2: yeah i think so i own the story separate though but yeah you guys
1: had a survival
2: episode didn't you yeah we did a lot of those recommendations sounded really good i want to pick those up
1: oh you definitely should especially because you actually sound outdoorsy unlike me so i'm always outside
2: If I was ever in a survival story like that, I'd be the one to just run away and leave everyone behind and be like, okay, I'm out of here. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> I'd be that person who dies in the first few minutes of whatever survival no. story it is. I'd be the person that complains so much everyone else wants to kill them. They would be like, Stephanie, shut up if you say anything else. I would sacrifice you first. <laughs> yeah, they would.
1: <laughs> so why do you think that the ocean just lends itself so well to these horror stories?
2: Ooh. Well, I think it's important to share some facts about the ocean to paint a picture. The ocean covers 70% of the planet's surface. And of the ocean itself, we've only explored maybe 5% of it. And then there's the ocean floor. 99% of that has been unexplored. We can't really go down there, you know, unless you're in a submersible because you would implode in on yourself. It's kind of terrifying. I've read scenes like that in books and they're so gory and I, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the biggest thing the ocean lends to horror, though, is the unknown, really, because you can play with people's fear, you know, drowning, you're being stranded at sea, storms, tsunamis, and then there's just the creature element, because what's living in the ocean? We haven't explored it, really. There could be anything. It's horrifying. You know, there's so many myths and legends. You have mermaids, sirens, the kraken, the loctus Monster,
1: sharks, giant sharks. You can go on and on. Oh, that's so true. I always feel like the ocean has more possibility for unknown creatures. I was looking online because I also did some fact checking. Mm -hmm. And apparently there's about 2,000 sea creatures that are discovered every year. And like Mm -hmm. most of them technically are like super tiny little like microbiotic things. But the fact is with what you said, how so little of the ocean has actually been mapped and explored, Mm -hmm. it feels possible that there could be a Loch Ness monster out there or something at least a lot more likely than something on land because honestly with all the satellites mm-hmm. and mapping technology we have we basically know what's out there in my opinion mm-hmm. but the ocean feels more like you said it's more unknown more possible
0: oh my gosh and there's some species of fish that look terrifying like am i thinking of an angler fish is that what it is that's just like is that the thing with the thing sticking out of its head with like the light that's in finding nemo yes
2: yes, yes, yes <laughs> that one it is so <laughs> creepy oh <Ugh>. yes uh. <laughs> And like squid, squid freak me out. Octopuses, they're just
1: the tentacles. I can't. Those things really scare me. Octopuses are my favorite. Aren't they supposed to be
0: like really intelligent or something?
2: They are. They are so smart.
0: Yeah, I've had days where I just watch YouTube videos of octopuses escaping from like jars and cages and like squeezing Mm -hmm. themselves and doing other things. It's really interesting.
2: Yeah. And I've touched one before. It's not that terrifying. It's just that they will, you know, grab right onto you and they're so freaking strong it's so scary Mm. and then when you know they are pulled off of you they leave those little suction marks on your arm and it's really
0: creepy (laughs) so what kind of trends or similarities do you see in ocean horror stories
2: i think the biggest thing is going to be sea monsters sharks you have you know the kraken you have all of these myths mermaids all of these unknown creatures i think the biggest thing you're going to see in ocean horror but besides that There's that play with claustrophobia that I think I see in a lot of other books as well when people are stuck down below in the sea in a submersible or in a construction of some sort. But for me, those are just the main things I
1: think I've noticed. So maybe I'll point this question towards the two of you because you guys watch a lot more horror movies than I do, but are there some really good underwater horror movies that I need to watch? Throw some recommendations my way.
0: I think they don't maybe go with my definition of like really good. I would say they're fun.
1: That works for me too. Yeah.
0: I love Deep Blue Sea, mainly because of the Samuel L. Jackson scene in it. That, for me, makes the whole movie. But it's about these scientists that are living in this underwater lab, and I think they're trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's, and sharks have like a really good memory. So they have like a giant shark, and they inject something into the shark that makes them smarter so they can use that as a cure for Alzheimer's. But guess what? When you go and you make sharks smarter, that's not a good idea.
2: It's really entertaining, though. I love the movie score to that. It's not on par with Jaws, but it's really creepy.
0: I have not paid attention to it. I'll have to rewatch it.
2: Listen to the theme music. It's just one of those slow buildups, and uh, those things always get me. I'm glad you mentioned it. So, Jaws, is it worth seeing? Jaws, of course. It's a classic. Jaws is the classic. It's Steven Spielberg. It's, what, one of the top horror movies that you need to watch? Giant Shark. And then there's the classic opening scene. It's wonderful.
0: And it invented the summer blockbuster.
2: Weren't people, like, legitimately scared of going to beaches after that movie came out? They were. That's a big thing. Did you know that Peter Benchley soon turned to shark conservation soon after that movie came out? Because so many people started killing great white sharks because of that. So the population went down so much after that and he felt so bad for that. I think even to this day he has an organization to just raise awareness for sharks. Oh that's awful. I didn't know that at all. It's so bad. That's why I kind of get scared on promoting just shark stuff because people are so scared and they think that sharks are these terrifying creatures but they're not. Not really.
1: Yeah as much as I love creature horror and like ocean horror all that like From everything I've read, sharks and a lot of these other marine animals are very defensive and really humans are far worse to them than they ever are to us. Mm -hmm. It's really, really sad. Anyway, tell me about some other movies I should watch (laughs) when I need a pick-me-up after being really sad about Jaws.
2: There's another film called Ghost Ship, and I think this one came out early 2000s. And it's basically about this old ship that went missing, and the entire crew and people on board were killed. And now a salvage crew goes out and discovers the ship, and they go on board and a lot of dark stuff happens people start dying left and right and isn't there a
0: crazy opening scene to that movie i need to see (laughs) yes oh my gosh i saw this in theaters and i had nightmares i still can't believe you saw that as a kid
2: a lot of people die and people are you know let's just say they're not all standing upright okay that's all i'm
1: gonna say
0: (laughs) yeah i think if you're going into a horror movie that's not too spoilery i think that's fair yeah and it is the opening scene like it starts off with this really happy time on this cruise ship and like you know that's not gonna end well right like this isn't the opening to the parent trap with like a happy cruise montage why can't we watch that movie (laughs) why does everything bad have to happen in the ocean it's unknown anything can go down
2: another film that i think you should definitely check out this one's so suspenseful it's called open water have either of you seen this one i haven't even heard of it i think i've seen parts of it so there's this couple and they go out on a boat you know just a snorkeling boat and when the people are going back to the boat they're left behind so this couple is just left stranded in the sea and there's a shark that comes and starts to attack them And it's just so terrifying because it's just them against the shark. But it's just so good because it's just one of those films that's just so suspenseful. You know, there's not a lot going on. It's just them and the water. And you never really see the shark, too. It kind of gets them from
1: below. So it's just it's one of those films that I really, really recommend to people. That sounds good. And I know there's one more movie coming out this summer that you're really excited about. <laughs> so maybe let's transition into our book recommendations because we can't talk to you about horror books without talking about this one. So right. what is your first book recommendation for this episode? I have no idea at all. <laughs> yeah, what, what could it be? My first
2: recommendation is Meg by steve alton have you guys heard about meg
0: i have
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah some girl on youtube just keeps gushing about it for some reason she's so annoying
2: Okay, so let's talk about this.
1: On a top
2: secret dive into the Pacific Ocean's deepest canyon, Jonas Taylor finds himself face to face with the largest and most ferocious predator in the history of the animal kingdom. The sole survivor of the mission, Taylor is haunted by what he's sure he saw but still can't prove exists, the megalodon, the massive mother of the great white shark. Taylor spends years theorizing, lecturing, and writing about the possibility that the Meg still feeds at the deepest levels of the sea, but it takes an old friend in need of help to get him to return to the water. Diving deeper than he ever has before, Taylor will face terror like he's never imagined. Meg is about to surface. When she does, nothing and no one is going to be safe. And Jonas must face his greatest fear once again. So this book is basically, when I talk about it, I say it's Jaws on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) It's the simplest way to promote this book or just Jurassic Shark, really. I'm there for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You guys really need to read it. Oh, I definitely will. I've been telling you I'm going to read it for so long. So just make me do it.
2: (laughs) I always tell people, though, I mean, this book is a book about a giant prehistoric shark. So you can't expect it to be the most well-written book book i mean it's a shark the characters are awful and you're gonna find yourself rooting for the shark you know you're gonna root for the shark the shark is who you want to win but it's so entertaining that you're gonna enjoy the book for the ride alone i mean it's basically candy you know candy's awful for you but it's so delicious
0: Do we get Meg POV chapters, or is it like switching? You do. Mm -hmm. You do.
2: Oh, it's so interesting. I didn't know that. that's one of the reasons why I really love this, too, because it's just so fascinating reading from that perspective. And it's just the way the shark is described and the way the shark treats other sharks of the same species. You know, they're really ferocious. They're really like almost like cannibals. They'll eat each other. So that's just really fascinating.
1: That sounds really good. And scariness wise, like how scary is this?
2: Okay. So I found this really hard to pick a scariness rating because I think to people that are terrified of the sea that are afraid of sharks, and there's a lot of people that are afraid of sharks, this book might freak them out. And I remember when I first read this, I was really young. I was 11. I shouldn't have been reading this at 11. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I tricked my parents into purchasing the book for me. Let's not go into that story. But um, I was a terrible child. When I first read this, this book scared me. I was paranoid to take showers. I was like always opening my eyes. So for that alone, I'm going to put this in the fridge. I don't think it'll be too terrifying for people people, but I think it's definitely going to make you
1: paranoid of the water, to say the least. That's hilarious. I happened to be looking on your Goodreads shelf the other day, Mm -hmm. and I noticed that normally people have a shelf that they put their favorites on. You have one book on your favorite shelf. Do I really? One book. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What is this?
2: Oh, also, this book is set where I live. So that's another big factor. This book is set in the Monterey Bay, and there's this big ol' institute where they kind of want to keep the shark, and it's all set in the area where I live. That's a big reason why I consider this book my favorite, because not only is it just so entertaining, but if for some strange, odd reason that makes me sound really weird, it feels really, like, home, It's one of those really weird things. It's like, oh yeah, this book's my favorite. It reminds me of my home. It's like, it's about a giant shark. What's wrong with you?
0: (laughs) It's an odd choice for a comfort read, but I understand. Right. (laughs) You said there's a movie coming out?
2: There is. It's called The Meg. It releases on August 10th. It stars Jason Statham. Are you guys familiar with Jason Statham? Yes. I really wasn't (laughs) beforehand. And it has Ruby Rose and some other people that I don't know. Dwight from The the Office. I haven't seen The Office. <laughs> oh, <gasps> oh! Is this bad?
1: <gasps> what? This is bad. <laughs> this is really bad.
0: <laughs> it's just podcast favorite. I
1: haven't seen a lot of TV. Oh, yeah, no. we usually find excuse to bring up The Office in about every episode. Okay, I'll watch it
2: yeah but the trailer is really entertaining it has this really fun almost comedic element to it and yeah yeah which the book is completely on the opposite spectrum it's more towards horror so when watching the trailer i was really excited i didn't have the highest expectations for the movie to be honest i still don't just because it's a giant shark (laughs) but it looks fun and i'm really excited i'm hoping it's going to be you know like jurassic world just popcorn fun I
1: wanted to see it since I saw that trailer, Mm -hmm. but I will read the book first, I promise. Please do. So I'll mention my first book pick, and that is Monsters in Our Wake by J.H. Moncrife. And she's a Canadian female horror author for anyone who's looking for more ladies that write horror. This story follows a marine geologist named Flora who is working on an oil drilling ship within the South Pacific Ocean. As a female scientist, she is getting very little respect from the other men on the ship who just see her as a hindrance to doing their work. The crew, of course, is unaware that there is an ancient sea creature lurking in the water that has lived there for millennia on the deep ocean floor. These creatures have largely ignored the existence of human until their home is disturbed by their drilling activities. So when an oil drill bursts into their lair, the sea creatures attack, damaging the engine of the ship and essentially trapping the crew so this story was a lot of fun it was a really quick read i thought it was interesting that it actually follows a different kind of monster it's not a shark it's not megalodon instead the whole creature is based off of scandinavian mythology and is called a noikian i am obviously pronouncing that terribly i'm going to try to put the actual word of the creature in the synopsis hopefully in the show notes because i cannot pronounce scandinavian words properly i tried i looked this up ahead of time i swear i would butcher that too there's a o with a slash in it so it's trouble But what I like so much about this one is it deals a lot with environmental themes. And like you were talking about before about, you know, environmental conservation and responsibility. So I thought it really addressed a lot of the fact that we need to protect our oceans. And while there is a sea creature in this book, for the most part, it really is just, like it says, protecting its own layer. And it's really the humans that are breaking in and disturbing its home. And so they're really just being defensive and protecting themselves. And this book also addresses some themes of potential prejudice around females working in the sciences in terms of scariness i would definitely call this room temperature it was not scary at all i thought this book was really unique because it actually is told partially from the perspective of the sea monster himself which i thought was really unique until you just told me that the same thing happens in meg yeah So I was completely blown away when those chapters started, but I still thought it was really interesting. I found that the sea creature was very humanized, which is why I found the book to be very room temperature, because he ends up referring to his female partner as his wife, and he's just almost becomes like a human persona, but in a creature form. So like I said, not scary, but still a really good book that explores a lot of interesting ideas, and that is, of course, Monsters in Our Wake by J.H. Moncrife.
2: Sounds really interesting. Yeah, that does sound Sounds really Sounds like an Erica book.
1: <laughs> All of these do. <laughs> yeah, every time I'm reading a book that involves the ocean or water or pirates or anything water-related, I immediately want to tell you. I get so many recommendations from people that'll just randomly message me, this
2: book has the sea in it, you should read it. <laughs> like, okay, we'll do that soon. <laughs>
1: I think that's how I started messaging you online was literally, uh, we haven't spoken before, but I have a C book in my hand and I don't know who else to tell them about it. Right.
2: But this one does sound really good though. I love the whole environmental aspect. I appreciate that so much when it's talked about in books because it's so important.
0: My book that I'm gonna talk about is The Deep by Nick Cutter. And in this book, there's an epidemic called The Gets, which is short for forgets, which starts decimating humanity on a global scale. People start forgetting things and eventually their bodies just forget how to function and they drop dead. So a lot of people are dying from this. It's a big epidemic, like I mentioned. Then there's a rumor that there's a cure called ambrosia that has been discovered in a lab called Trista. This lab is located eight miles underwater in the Marianas Trench. And our main character, Luke, has to go down and figure out the truth about this cure. This is a pretty good book. I will say it's not my favorite of Nick Cutter's books, but it is a lot of fun because I have a big fear of being in a submarine and being underwater in, I don't know, any kind of thing where I'm like, if there's a hole in this, I will immediately die. I think just the (laughs) thought of that freaks me out. So the thought of being in any kind of a submarine vehicle or building is nightmare fuel for me. I will say the Getz is mentioned at the beginning, but once our character goes down to the lab, part of the story plays on how he is so separated from humanity and civilization in just this complete other world that doesn't really come into play until later. But I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of really eerie scenes. And like I've mentioned, Nick Cutter also does not shy away from grotesqueness and body horror. And so for that reason, I am putting this one in the fridge. Have either of you read this one? No, I've been meaning to. I own it,
2: and I've been wanting to read this for so long, and I think I heard about this book on your channel, Stephanie. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I've heard you talk about it before, and this one just sounds so interesting, and it takes place in the Marianas Trench, and Meg you know, has a big old Mariana's Trench aspect to that as well. It's so fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of her horror books are set around the Mariana's Trench just because it's so uncharted and so deep. It's just a really good place that if something is going to exist, it's a pretty good place to put it. Right. And I remember someone else mentioning that the book was too gross for them. So they're like, yeah, Rachel, you'll probably (laughs) like it. So (laughs) it's one I should probably check out for myself. I'm known to enjoy a gory read. Yeah. And the whole claustrophobic aspect sounds so cool too. Yeah.
0: I will also mention Nick Cutter does not shy away from harm to animals, so FYI.
2: No. You know, I also think it's really interesting that you have the fear of submarines. That's always been one of the things that I wish I could do. It's on my bucket list. I want to go in a submarine and explore the bottom of something. I don't care where. It looks so incredible just to experience that because it's almost like you're in space. It's like you're exploring a whole new world.
0: That's also another fear I have. Space? (laughs) I do not want to be somewhere where the outside can kill me, and like whatever walls were constructed by a person are the only thing keeping me alive from the danger of the atmosphere outside. <laughs> that's
2: fair <laughs> okay so my next recommendation i have is the lock also by steve alton no one is surprised steve alton is really good at writing monster books guys okay he's like your go-to so the lock is about a marine biologist his name is zachary wallace and he finds out that his father angus is on trial for murder so he's forced to return to his home on the shores of lochness and it's here he has to help prove his father didn't murder anyone. And his father, what's really interesting is he claims he witnessed these people being attacked and killed by the Loch Ness monster. So, is it true? Is Nessie really real? Soon after that, the Loch is full of people and TV crews searching to see if they can discover the creature. This book is such a fun and interesting book. This one is, surprisingly, a lot more well-written than Meg, so I feel that Steve Alton did a lot more research in this book, and he pulled it off really well. It's so fascinating reading a book set in Scotland, too, just because, I don't know, I don't read a lot of books set in other countries because I'm awful with my book reading. But also, let alone Nessie, right? My only real exposure to the Loch Ness Monster was an old episode of Scooby-Doo. Have you guys ever (laughs) seen that episode? But they had some sort of Nessie story going on in Scooby-Doo. I watched Scooby-Doo a lot as a kid. I don't remember that one. Yeah, so it was just really cool to learn a lot more of the lore of Nessie, right? And just the way the people that live there deal with the tourists and their own thoughts and whatnot. Obviously, this is a work of fictions, but you know, his research was interesting. But I think for those that read and enjoyed Meg, I highly recommend this as the next book you read from Steve Alton because it's so good. I always say Meg is my favorite book, but The Lock is pretty dang close being on par. It's just so entertaining. But Sk- rating. I would put this one also in the fridge just because it's just it's gonna make you paranoid of the water. Obviously, because Nessie is terrifying.
1: Yeah. Normally we try not to recommend two books by the same author, but when we had you on here, we said go for it because <laughs> we know how much you love Steve Bolton. Uh,
2: yes. Oh, he's the best.
1: <laughs> you might be his number one fan.
2: Oh uh, yeah.
1: It's <laughs> tonight. It.
2: Yeah. Have you guys ever read anything featuring the Loch Ness Monster or do you like the Loch Ness Monster? It's my favorite legend slash myth kind of thing.
1: I like it, but I prefer the Ogopogo in the BC
0: lakes just because my Canadian roots, you know, you got to cheer for your own monster. I'm all about the chupacabra. Really? (laughs) Like hashtag go Mexico, you know?
2: (laughs) Very nice. Also really like Bigfoot. Bigfoot's great. Totally real. You never know.
1: So my next pick is Pressure by Brian Keene, and this story takes place on a remote island nation in the Indian Ocean where an ecological catastrophe is taking place because the ocean floor is beginning to collapse at a rapid rate. Carrie Anderson, a world champion free diver and marine biologist, is asked to join a scientific expedition to learn the cause of this event and hopefully find a way to stop it. Of course, they discover that something horrific is living beneath the surface. The story really follows Carrie as she has to deal with a corrupt organization covering up a monstrous predator that threatens the extinction of humanity. So, surprisingly enough, this is actually my first time reading any of Brian Keene's work. I've listened to his podcast, of course, The Horror Show, but sadly, I haven't gotten around to reading him beforehand, and this was definitely a lot of fun. This, I understand, isn't quite as representative of a lot of his older work. This is a fairly new one, and is more crossover between a thriller, science fiction, and horror. And for me, the scariest aspect of the story was the freestyle diving, because... Again, I just find the ocean and open water just terrifying. But I learned a lot about it. The fact is that apparently you need to drink tons of water before you go diving. And then you also don't want to eat too much because apparently if you eat a lot, then your body is digesting, which takes up oxygen. But If you don't eat enough and then you're starving when you go diving your body starts to basically eat its own fat cells Which also requires oxygen, which is also bad So you have to be just the right amount of hungry when you go in and that alone Like I just was getting stressed over the details of what it really requires to be a deep-sea diver and I just thought that was like super fascinating because of something I knew nothing about beforehand In terms of scariness, I would call this one room temperature, unless you're like me and are just terrified of water, because I found myself just holding my breath whenever they were going into the water. Not because I expected there to be a monster there, but just because they were going in the water and going really, really deep without protective gear and like freestyle diving just scares the bejeebers out of me. So keep that in mind. And of course, I have to mention that Brian Keane, of course, was seriously injured in a burn accident back on June 5th. And it was really wonderful to see the horror community come together and support him. So I'm really thankful that he seems to be doing all right and that the community is really, like I said, kind of gathered together and and helped to fund those medical bills because that was really scary when it happened. And for anyone who missed the title, that is Pressure by Brian Keane.
2: This one sounds really good. I got so excited when I saw you post a picture of this book on your Instagram and I immediately
1: put it to my TBR. That was another one when I got that book from the library. I was like, I should tell Erica. And I was like, I guess we're doing the podcast, so she'll find out.
0: (laughs) But it sounds really good. My next pick is a novella that is The House at the Bottom of the Lake by Josh Mallerman. And in this story, a teenage couple goes canoeing on a nearby lake for their first date. But when they see what looks like the roof of a house peeking up from over the water, they become obsessed with the two-story house at the bottom of the lake. I really enjoyed this book. I will say it's mostly a love story with some eeriness throughout. So don't go into the story thinking it's going to be straight up horror. It was very descriptive. And I get a little creeped out whenever there's passages of people talking about how they feel like they need to come up for air, but they keep wanting to explore this house and swim further and further inside. And I was getting stressed out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Go out. Go out. Take a breath. Take a breath. (laughs) What are you doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's another one of my big fears. But it was really great as a love story. And I love how Their romance and the thrill of exploration within a relationship in the story kind of gets intertwined with the thrill of discovery in this house and finding something new. This book I've seen is not for everyone. The ratings on Goodreads are all over the place, so I think it's just You have to know what you're going into before you read it. But I thought there were genuinely some creepy parts while they were exploring the house. Like, you know, they're swimming and like looking at all this stuff. Like this house is furnished. And while they're swimming and looking at this furniture, the lights come on in a house that's underwater. And I am saying, even though there were creepy, eerie scenes, kind of depending on what creeps you out, I would say this is a little more on the room temperature side. But as a love story, I really liked it. I've never
2: read anything by him, but I hear about him so much.
0: I would definitely recommend Bird Box, especially since the Netflix movie is coming out with Sandra Bullock. There's a movie? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> okay, now I need to. That's the one where they can't see, right? Because the creature, if they see it, something will happen? Yeah,
0: it'll drive you crazy and you'll like murder people and kill yourself.
2: But this one does sound really good though, because just the whole underwater exploring have you ever like almost drowned before? That is terrifying. I've had so many close encounters. <laughs>
0: i was caught in a riptide once
2: so was i several times it's awful yeah
0: with my cousin and like i would keep trying to like push myself up above the water to like take a breath and then a wave would come and like shove me down and i wouldn't get to take a full breath and i was like this is how i die i was like 12 Mm -hmm. i'm like this is how i die
2: i've done that several times though you know you say okay i'm never doing this again (laughs) i'm gonna be smart next time and then you go back and do it again You just want to swim. The book does sound really good, though.
0: That was The House at the Bottom of the Lake by Josh Mallerman.
2: And my last recommendation is Sphere by Michael Crichton. And this one is about a group of American scientists that are rushed to a huge vessel that has been discovered resting on the ocean floor in the middle of the South Pacific. What they find defies their imaginations and mocks their attempts at logical explanation. It is a spaceship of phenomenal dimensions, apparently undamaged by its fall from the sky. And most startling, it appears that its at least 300 years old. This one was such a page turner, you guys. Have you ever read Michael Crichton? Obviously, Jurassic Park, but anything else?
1: The Lost World. Yeah, just Jurassic Park, but I want to read more of him.
2: Yeah, he's really good at taking two really strange stories and meshing them well together. Like Jurassic Park, you have dinosaurs and then a park and you're like, meshing them together. It's very strange. But like I said, this is such a page turner. It's one of those unputdownable books that you can just read in an afternoon. And this is really another one of those claustrophobic books. And these characters are stuck at the bottom of the sea. So they are just freaking out you never really know what's going on and over time these characters start turning on one another so it's just the thrilling aspect of it and just the unknown is really interesting and then the ending has such a weird turn of events i'm not going to spoil anything you have to read it for yourself but it's just it's really entertaining i really really like this one a lot i wouldn't say that it's scary it's more thrilling so i'm going to put it at room temperature
0: that sounds really good that one sounds like a stephanie book Whenever you have people in an environment where they start turning on each other.
2: Yes. (laughs) And I love sci-fi too. So I just think it just meshes well, sci-fi and horror.
1: That's what I've noticed is a lot of our picks have a bunch of overlap between the two genres. Like two of the books I'm talking about today were actually shelved in the science fiction section. But I'm like, no, no, they're also horror. Mm -hmm. You have so many cross
2: in between. It's really interesting. It's kind of hard to find horror when it's just in all
1: these different sections. Exactly. I always say it hides in every other section. Yeah. But it's out there. Right. Well, speaking of science fiction horror, I have to talk about my last one. I technically mentioned it a little while back when I was reading it at Christmas, but I love it so much, I'm going to squeeze it in at the end of this episode and talk about Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. So seven years ago, a ship headed out to the Marianas Trench to film a fake documentary or mockumentary about killer mermaids. However, something went very, very wrong on that voyage and the ship never came back. Now, the story is told in the present day where a new crew has been assembled to go back and find out what happened to the original ship and will soon discover that mermaids might actually be real and are very dangerous. I love this one so much. If you can't tell, it's told in multiple perspectives from a series of highly intelligent, well respected female scientists, and I like the fact that it gives that female representation and kind of shows a different side as opposed to my other story about women who are respected in their field. There's also some really great diverse representation in this book. I like to mention that there's lesbian, bisexual characters as well as some deaf representation. In terms of scariness, I would definitely put this at room temperature. If you're someone who reads horror, this will read more like science fiction. But I know for people who only read science fiction and pick this up, not really being aware that it was also horror, they found it really scary, but I think Anyone listening to the podcast would consider this one to be not too scary, but regardless of that, I love it. And I actually really like the fact that there's a lot of science in this book because I felt it really grounded the story in reality and made it feel more plausible because a book about killer mermaids could sound incredibly campy, but there is so much science built around it that you're like, oh, of course, this is so possible. And again, said in the Marianas Trench and you realize in the book how much is uncharted that I completely forgot I was reading fiction for a lot of the story and felt like I was reading this like really fascinating non-fiction account. It was just incredible and there is technically a novella called Rolling in the Deep but you don't need to read that. I wasn't able to. It wasn't available in Canada but I highly recommend for anyone who loves books about killer mermaids, go read Into the Drowning Deep by Miragrand right now. I second that. It's so good. Oh, it's so fun. That was, I think, the book that I originally was like, Erica, you need to read this. You told me about it. I looked it up
2: and I immediately, I need this right now. And then I got it. I read it and it was great. It's so entertaining.
1: It's such a fast paced read. Really, really good. And I should mention like people were like, oh, what's so scary about mermaids? Like this is an Ariel from like the Disney. Disney movie like these mermaids are vicious and gruesome and stuff happens right right and i love how
2: it takes that side of the story it's just so interesting
0: stephanie you really mm-hmm. need to read this one i've been wanting to read it i think you would like it a lot i think my library has the audiobook so i might do that oh that would probably be really mm-hmm. good okay so my last pick is an anthology compiled by ellen dotlow and that is the devil and the deep these are horror stories of the sea. So this is a collection of short stories that are all related to a water slash ocean. And what I love about anthologies is seeing the different take that every author does when it comes to a certain theme. The stories that I ended up enjoying and remembering the most were the ones that had a stronger emotional resonance. I didn't quite finish the book, I only got about halfway. <laughs> I'm still making my way through it. So I'm not going to be mentioning any stories that are in the second half, obviously, but three that I really enjoyed were What My Mother Left Me by Alyssa Wong. And this is about a girl. Named Emma, who is headed to her family's old beach house after the death of her mother, with her new girlfriend Gina, while she's dodging angry calls from her father and recent ex-boyfriend. And I loved how this story really drew on mother-daughter relationships and the complexities that come with that and legacies. Another one that I liked was Father's Jig by Lee Thomas, where there's an apocalyptic plague that causes people to spontaneously dance and then just walk into the ocean.
2: That one was. Crazy. Right.
0: <laughs> but you think it's like funny, but then it's this man telling his partner's son and relaying the story of like what happened to his father and like how he like mm-hmm. watched it all happen and it's like really sad. <laughs> but he's also talking about like how much he loved him. So there's like a strong emotional pull for like this silly premise. <laughs> and then the last one that I really liked was Broken Record by Stephen Graham Jones. And Stephen Graham Jones is an author that I look for in anthologies. I usually end up loving his shorts stories and this one was really strange but also had a really great emotional pull. It was basically a man waking up on a desert island after a crash and a story about desires and silly questions. And I really liked it. And I know, Erica, I know you read this too and you had a couple stories you enjoyed.
2: Yeah, there's a couple. I was just looking at the contents. There's one called Sister, Dear Sister, Let Me Show You to the Sea. And it's kind of like a dark retelling of The Little Mermaid. That one was so, so good. But I think most importantly, my favorite of the piece was the very last story. It's called. Haunt it's set like hundreds of years ago. It's on a ship and the ship is just being haunted by another ship. And there's like a backstory that's really depressing. I'm not going to go into it spoiler wise, but it's so chilling and haunting. And that one, it just broke me so good. I really, really love this anthology. I wish I would have been able to finish it before we recorded.
0: I'm definitely going to. Like I still have it out from the library and I will finish it because I You better. I will. I'm sorry. I will keep you guys updated. (laughs) I will finish it. I promise. (laughs) So obviously with this, the scariness level is varied throughout the book, depending on what scares you and what doesn't. But yeah, I was really impressed with those.
2: This one's really interesting because it's not just your classic, you know, monster whore. There's a lot, you know, playing with just being a human, you know, the first story was about, I think, a murder, right? And that one was really interesting because I've never really read a sea horror story where it's just straight up someone murders someone and then disposes of the body kind of thing. So that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, that one was really good.
1: I think that's something that Ellen Datlow does really well whenever she does an anthology is she really tries not to just go for the obvious trope of that subgenre. Like, I just find she's really good at telling the authors, applying for the anthology that they need to be creative and really think outside the box. And you get a really varied collection. Like this one sounds great. I really want to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I've never read anything edited by Ellen Datlow before, but I need to read more because this was just so great.
0: Yeah. If you use Hoopla, she edits the best of the year, like year-end best of horror anthologies. And she has like nine from the past nine years.
2: Yeah, I remember reading that. I should go back and just read them all.
0: But yeah, she does a really good job.
1: So let's talk about some chilling obsessions. And I want to go first... So, once again, I'm going down the rabbit hole of true crime. I promise I won't turn this into a true crime podcast, but I have to talk about a Netflix documentary series that I've started watching and it's so good. It's called The Staircase and follows the case of Michael Peterson, who was a novelist who was suspected of murdering his wife, Kathleen Peterson, after she mysteriously fell down a flight of stairs in their home and eventually died from those injuries. And it's a very popular case. Anyone who follows a lot of true crime media like podcasts and books might already be familiar with this one. And honestly, I'd heard about it before, but it wasn't until I watched this documentary that I actually got hooked on the case. The documentary basically follows Peterson after those events. And a lot of the time leading up to his trial was videotaped. And so what I found so fascinating was that you get to see His story from the perspective of his defense attorneys, which, for anyone who's really into like crime and legalities of criminal defense, like, this is one to check out. There's a lot of holes around the case that made it look like it wasn't necessarily an accident because basically Michael called 911 hysterical, saying that his wife had just fallen down the stairs and was injured. But then when they actually went to investigate, they found out that there were problems. The fact is that her blood was already dry by the time emergency services got there, which didn't really make sense if it had just happened like he said. So again, it's all these clues and it just doesn't make sense. Like maybe something happened, but not like he said. But regardless, this documentary isn't really about his innocence or guilt. Instead, it's more about how a defense case is built. And so what was really interesting was actually getting to see them practice the testimonies and try out different cross-examination topics and say well what if you respond this way or what if you explain this way and they were kind of coaching him and getting to see all the behind the scenes it really is eye-opening to see how much of this legal process is so rehearsed so i just thought it was fascinating so definitely recommend the staircase which should be available on netflix at least in
0: the u.s and canada this one sounds really good yeah i keep saying this one recommended and of course it always is the husband right oh exactly There was a tweet that said like if Dateline has taught me anything it's like don't pose next to a cliff while my husband takes a picture.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was in a psychology class where they were talking about rates of murder. It was like this 200 person class and the professor was like oh and did you know that it's typically the husband when a woman gets murdered and i pipe up and just like yell at him like especially if she's pregnant then the rates go way up like everyone just like stopped and just stared at me they're like why do you know this i'm like because it's really interesting and i was like i'll be quiet now i just so wanted to insert my helpful fact because i know a lot about crime statistics that is hilarious
0: So my chilling obsession was a movie I saw on Netflix. This is called The Devil's Candy, which was a 2015 movie that's, like I said, available on Netflix, I think produced by IFC. And a family buys a, you know, too good to be true farmhouse. We've seen this before, guys, where an older couple has died. The father of this new family, he's a painter, and he becomes possessed by something that puts him basically in a trance while he paints these very dark pieces. And there's a frightening visitor that comes to the house and feels like he has a claim to the property. And this movie is so eerie and it's actually really short. I was surprised how short it was because I was very tense (laughs) a lot of the time, but it's only like an hour and 20 minutes. Like it is less than an hour and a half. But the way it moves, just because it's edited so well, there's not a lot of filler You kind of get introduced to the family. They see the house. They buy the house. They move in. Like, stuff starts happening. I don't feel like they waste a lot of time. And what I like about this movie is that it fits in, like, a lot of subgenres. It could be, like, a haunted house slash possession slash home invasion. And while I was watching it, I recognized the mom because she plays Rachel in Unreal. So... All of my peeps who watch Unreal out there will know who I'm talking about. But anyway, that is The Devil's Candy, and that should be available on Netflix, at least in the US. Sounds very interesting. Low-key gave me nightmares. We went down a rabbit trail talking about like nightmares and night terrors in our Patreon group chat because this movie gave <laughs> me a nightmare.
2: I love when films are really short and they're able to pack a punch in such a short amount of time, so I'm really interested in this one, though.
0: Yeah, but if I told you like what scene gave me a nightmare, like it was not an important scene at all. Oh, really? <laughs> like it wasn't a scene that like plays that much into the story. It's a frightening occurrence, but like in the grand scheme of everything that ends up happening in the movie, like the fact that that little thing <laughs> gave me a nightmare was pretty funny.
1: And that's something about your mind, like certain things will connect with a person and I totally get that. It's mm-hmm. something just probably like, I know, snapped in your brain on that particular yeah. clip and it just freaked you right out, I'm sure. <laughs> yep
2: so my chilling obsession is really new to me it is the scream tv series i actually wasn't even aware about this tv series at all i heard about it on a booktubers channel are you guys aware of jade from boho bookworm
0: yeah jade from boho bookworm she talks to us all the time on instagram we love jade hey there in australia
2: I was watching one of her vlogs and she had talked about how she started watching this TV series. And I was just, what? There's a Scream TV series? I need to watch this. So I watched the first episode with a friend and then I've just been obsessed ever since. But um, for those aware of Scream, the first two seasons take place in the fictional town of Lakewood, where a string of murders took place. And at the center of those murders is Emma, a teenage girl who was somehow tied to the town's dark past. It's just so entertaining, and it's surprisingly really gory for a show that's on MTV. I was not expecting that at all. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Just so much. And I mean, me personally, I don't think it's anywhere as good as the films because the films are just so classic for me. And I would almost compare this to just the addictiveness of pretty little liars and i don't think it's top quality tv but it's still so fun and i just i need to know who's behind everything i think the third season is supposed to come out sometime this year but i don't know not completely sure
0: i know there's been talk about that third season for a long time
1: I hope it happens. Oh, that one is so good. I'm really excited that you got into that. Yeah. I remember watching it, I think last fall, and I kind of want to do a rewatch, so now you're getting me excited to do that. I love
2: hearing about shows later on because then I could just go and binge, which isn't, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because I'm just watching TV when I should be doing other things, but it's just, I love just sitting and just watching
0: for hours. I definitely think we all do. Anyway, thank you so much, Erica, for agreeing to come on and talk to us about some underwater horror. We had so much fun.
2: Thank you for asking me.
0: (laughs) So quick question, where can people find you online?
2: YouTube. My channel is The Perks of Books. You can follow me there. I have an Instagram. It's called... The pirate tales don't make fun of me. I really like pirates. (laughs) And my Instagram is my name. It's Erica Centeno underscore. So that's where you can find me and hear me talk about ocean and sea stuff and pirates if you're interested.
0: Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us at Twitter at BooksFreezerPod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at BooksInTheFreezer at gmail.com. The show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at BooksInTheFreezer.com. We also are on Patreon at Books in the Freezer. We wanted to take this moment to give a special thank you to our patrons, Laura, Liz, Devin, Sarai, Roger, Emily, Denise, Anthony, Jason, Leanne, Elizabeth, Sean, Mitch, Alicia, and pt if you're looking for a free way to support the podcast be sure to leave us a review on a podcast app itunes or stitcher it helps people find us i'm stephanie you can find me on twitter and instagram at lady underscore ganya. that's l-a-d-y underscore g-a-g-n-o-n i also have a bookish instagram and that is at that's what she read but there's two a's in that's i'm also on youtube as that's what she read
1: and i'm rachel you can find me on twitter at shades underscore orange or on youtube and instagram at the shades of orange Join us next time for
0: Books in the Freezer.